Welcome to the Happiness Habits Podcast. My name is Adil. And I'm Libby. And we've started Adbra Happiness Habits to help with our own mental health. In each episode, we'll be speaking to an inspiring guest about a particular way we can grow our resilience to life's ups and downs. Each episode is full of simple and actionable tips, and we hope you'll find them helpful. Happy listening! Today I'm speaking with uh, the amazing Lucy Jones uh, about the role that nature can play in our mental health. Uh, Lucy is a writer and journalist. She previously worked at NME and the Daily Telegraph, and her writing on culture, science, and nature has been published <laughs> all over the place, including BBC Earth, BBC Wildlife, The Sunday Times, The Guardian, The New Statesman, just to name a few. Her first book, Foxes on Earth, was celebrated for its brave, bold, and honest, I'm quoting, account for our relationship with the fox. Uh, so that was uh, an award-winning book, and now she uh, has released a new book called Losing Eden, subtitle Why Our Minds Need the Wild. And uh, this uh, book is a beautiful journey into the relationship between us and nature, and it's a really thought-provoking um, thought-provoking read. Uh, and it's also the topic of today's episode, which is uh, what role does nature have in our mental health and what can we do to incorporate more nature into our happiness habits? So without further ado, uh, here is my conversation with Lucy Jones. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Lucy, thank you so much for uh, being with us today. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. So you've uh, written uh, Foxes on Earth and now uh, Losing Eden. Um, and uh, nature seems to definitely be a common thread, at least uh, for these two books. So could you tell us a little bit about, I guess, yourself, perhaps a little bit about uh, where your fascination with nature came from? And uh, yeah, just for us to kind of get a feel for your story as well a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm a, a freelance journalist um, and author. Uh, I live in Hampshire in England. Um, Foxes Unearthed was my first book, um, which was published about five years ago. And mm -hmm. that was about um, the relationship between the British people and the fox. Um, so I was interested in the fox as a kind of uh, flint for emotions and the kind of last big wild animal in in the UK that could um, kind of incite really strong emotions from people of love and hate. Um, my second book, Losing Eden, which was published um, earlier this year, um, has been quite a long, long journey. The research journey was about eight years or so. Um, mm -hmm. And it started in London when I um, was was experiencing a period of uh, depression and anxiety and addiction issues mm -hmm. and I was living quite a kind of urban um, 
you know, industrialized lifestyle. I didn't really have much connection with the outdoors or the natural world, but I found when I was trying to um, recover uh, and get sober that I was drawn to um, nature, specifically Walthamstow marshes. Um, and I found walking daily and engaging with the natural world um, just incredibly therapeutic, um, kind of as therapeutic as the medicine and psychotherapy and, and, and support I was getting from um, other people. And that led me to wonder exactly how and why nature seems to be um, therapeutic and make people kind of feel calm or, or happy or peaceful. Um, I mean, I guess a lot of people would assume or intuit that, you know, being outside, being by a beach or in a forest in some way makes mm. us feel good. But what I wanted to do with Losing Eden was to to look at the science and the research and evidence um, and kind of drill down into the nuts and bolts of the relationship. So looking at what happens to our brains when we're in the woods, what happens to our nervous system when we're by a lake, what happens to our kind of unconscious if we are disconnected from nature and so on. So um, that was the kind of, that was the kind of beginning of, of the research journey and uh, that led to losing Eden. Yeah. Hmm. And so just a quick question, I guess, just as a follow up, when you're saying that, you know, you've started to, um, to spend a bit more time in nature, etc. Was that, I guess, did someone recommend that to you at the time? Or was it just kind of almost like a random thing that it just happened and you noticed that it had an impact and then you started doing it more yeah that's a good question so no I wasn't recommended to me it wasn't prescribed to me hmm. um even though you know that's something that's happening more now is that doctors are prescribing nature which is interesting but no it was more um it was kind of a side effect of going running so I knew that okay. I knew that running might help lift my mood and and you know give me some endorphins um and kind of yeah kind of lift lift me up a bit but but so I'd set out for runs and then I'd end up just slowing down and walking and looking and and wanting to kind of look at the trees and just spend time with the birds and the insects and mm. you know noticing flowers and um water and and the weather um and it 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 more became that i was hooked on you know looking looking and spending time with all these different species and and the the effect that that had on me afterwards was just a kind of sense of um peace and calm uh in those early months of sobriety i felt i had a lot of uh, lots of kind of quite intense emotions um lots of stuff to work through and I found going into nature um seemed to give me a sense of balance and just a kind of soothing really it felt I, I would always feel soothed afterwards and refreshed um and and yeah I hadn't been 
I mean, it's kind of crazy to, for it to be so surprising to me, but I think that speaks to um, the fact that I, like so many of us, lived in such a disconnected way from the natural world um, that I was, mm. you know, rarely outside. I was more watching David Attenborough uh, documentaries than actually kind of spending time in nature. I had mm. no relationship to nature. Um, so it did take me to su- take me by surprise that the effect was so therapeutic, and that's what I really wanted to explore and examine. Because mm-hmm. I thought, you know, if this, if spending time in nature can can be so helpful for me at my kind of lowest moment, then why didn't I know more about it, or why aren't we doing more to protect nature? You know, if it's if it, you know, and as soon as I experienced it, I saw read and and heard many other accounts if it can be so helpful for so many people thank you for for speaking so openly about uh, about your story lucy and it, it kind of helps i think a lot of people will also uh, perhaps hear some parallels with with you know uh, the way they kind of look at nature and and i think it's it's really interesting that you know you're you're saying that we are we, we've all heard that it's it's really good to be in nature and, and, and all that. And we kind of all almost perhaps inherently know it, but we're not really, you know, it's not actually a topic that we talk about very much on a daily basis. It's just one of these things that we're kind of assumed to be true, but it's not necessarily something that, you know, we're actively trying to, to, um, uh, to work on or, or perhaps to sort of add some time in nature. Uh, I guess one of the things, um, I've been thinking about so I could I'll ask you about your book a little bit more detail because there's a few things that you said which are which I just want to follow up uh, I'm really curious about but just in terms of uh, the research that you've done for this book do you do you feel that it's fair to say that as as a population I guess let's say in the UK here do that people underestimate uh, the role that nature has on their well-being you know I guess we all have these different levers that we can actuate to improve our well-being and our happiness uh, or our mental health, like, you know, sleep, you mentioned exercise, etc. Do you feel that it's almost like one of these levers that we've forgotten a little bit? I do. Yeah, I think that we, um, you know, our, our disconnection from the natural world um, and also our negative impact on it has never been um, at this level before and I think one of the things that we are overlooking as a society in the population is how crucial contact with nature is for mental health um, which you know the cutting-edge science is now starting to prove robustly um, you know from the earliest years kind of in the education system um, children don't get adequate opportunities to to love and to nurture and to, to know to know the living world and that kind of continues I think through the life course if you look at how we design our urban areas and you know how how we um, destroy ancient woodlands and you know the decline of species like the trends suggest that um, you know while we might like nature it's very much on our terms and you know it's something that we fit into the margins both 
physically and tangibly in our living areas but also um in our lives um you know the research that i that i looked at and, and wrote about in losing eden just blew my mind i kind of always i kind of i stumbled onto this kind of huge scientific um field and and as i as i started to read more and learn more you know the 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 kind of um the diversity and the quality and the quantity of evidence is just unequivocal um nature is really good for our mental health um and now you know now i've i've seen that for me it it becomes as important as sleep and exercise and a you know a good diet um and you know social connections and so on but i don't think that that's something you know that as a society we we realize or acknowledge we've kind of forgotten that you know we are nature we come from nature we you know we're not we are animals um and that we need to be connected with our kind of our, our living world our environment in order to be happy um but obviously you know mental health is very complicated and complex there are many different factors um this year for example has really shown us inequality of access to nature you know so so there's a real diversity of um experience you know people who live in more affluent areas have more access to higher quality green space and therefore the health benefits that go with that those in disadvantaged areas have less um, so so i think that really speaks to this this um position that our society is in that we don't realize how important you know the restoration benefits that nature can give us are um at a population and individual level um yeah that's that's really interesting and it's one of the things i've been thinking about quite a lot as well which is you know the, the situation that we're finding ourselves in specifically this year with the pandemic you know it has had an impact on everyone but at the same time it's as you said it hasn't had an equal impact on on everyone some people have been impacted much much more and uh, some people have managed to just kind of live their lives uh, perhaps with some inconveniences but overall uh, kind of managed to um, to just live kind of normally and one of the things i've noticed and i'm linking it to nature is that you know i have been really privileged to be able to work from home for a long period during this year and and from a nature perspective i actually feel i have been closer to it because you know i was able to uh, go out for a run at lunchtime sometimes and uh, you know really lucky because we live next to the canal here in london uh, being able to see you know swans cygnets things like this and and so i almost feel that i don't know i feel almost a little bit guilty that you know it, it feels like COVID almost um, sort of brought me a little bit closer to nature but at the same time i appreciate the vast majority of people a huge amount of people uh, perhaps don't have that luxury uh, and um, and i guess th this kind of leads me to my question do you feel that the, the pandemic that we've been going through has it has it all been bad from a from a sort of relationship with uh, with nature or you know as on the example i've talked about for myself do, do you see any other perhaps i don't know silver lining almost sounds too positive but any any things that encouraged us to think a little bit more about nature 
Yeah, I think that your experience has, um, I mean, ha- ha- has been um, a kind of common experience by many. I and mean, there has, there does seem to have been this year, a kind of renaissance of um, love for the natural world. And we've seen that through from, you know, people buying seeds online and planting their own vegetables and growing their own food um to uh you know the fact that it's it's much safer for people to to meet outdoors and so people have been gathering at you know at different sites natural natural beauty sites um and the data backs that up too so the um the people in nature survey found that um people who were spending more time in nature this year um said that it made them feel happy um so we know that there has been a kind of shift perhaps in people's relationship with the natural world um i mean through that obviously other other kind of structural issues have have been shown up as well for example you know for for populations who have who live in flats with without gardens or who live um like not an easy walk from a green space their uh ability and opportunity to access the well-being benefits of nature um just hasn't been there um so it's kind of shone a light on that inequality and also um you know we all saw pictures of kind of thousands of people descending on snowdon in wales or certain beaches um and it's become clear that that in this country there are kind of honeypot nature sites that people are going to because they want to you know experience the wild and and be outside um and i think that has shown how um little access we actually have in this country to the countryside so we are we are not allowed to access 92 percent of the land in england and 90 eight percent of of the rivers and waterways because of the law of trespass um and there's a new campaign at the moment a right to roam campaign trying to uh to look at that which is is i think really important but there's clearly you know i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't call it a silver lining but there's the pandemic has showed up a lot of these structural problems um which need to be fixed you know by uh, by our politics, um, especially as this evidence is growing about the importance of nature for well-being, and I think it's quite important to say that you know, not everyone is a nature lover. You know, lots of people, you know, loads of my friends get their restoration and their relaxation from other things. You know, um, it could, could be anything: music, TV. You know going to the pub whatever there's many different like restorative activities on there that um kind of affect our well-being but what i found so fascinating with the the research um is that background nature so even you know living in an area with trees on your street or walking through a park um instead of a busy road on your way to the shop that can have measurable um potential therapeutic benefits um you know even if you're not someone who like me will wants to take photographs of moss and insects and so on just having that background nature in your living area 
uh, is very important. And I think that has really crucial implications for kind of the urban design and, and the way we live in our society. And so how would you, um, without necessarily going through the, you know, the detail, because if people want to know the detail, they should, uh, they should read the book, but how would you uh, sort of explain um, the way we can try to, um, you know, you, you talked about doing a lot of research and, and, and um, how do we actually measure some of these things from a from a scientific perspective? We measure people's, you know, the impact on people's well-being or mental health, etc. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, um, um, yeah, there are now kind of many hundreds, thousands, really, of studies from researchers across us the world trying to measure this impact, and um, they vary from kind of neuroscientists to endocrinologists from environmental psychologists um, to kind of environmental health researchers. Um, one example that I really like is um, the smell of the earth after it's rained. So do you know this word petrichor? Um, petrichor means, you know, when it's rained and it, the earth just smells delicious and kind of metallic mm. and like you get it really strongly in like the woods and, lovely smell um and some scientists measured the impact of smelling that compound which is actually called geosmin on brain activity mm -hmm. um and so and they found that the area of the brain associated with calmness and relaxation was triggered when um participants smelt the compound in petrichor um so 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 that's an example uh, mm. And then there's a wonderful uh, area called the science of awe. So where researchers have found that if someone experiences the emotion of awe, which is often found in nature, um, they have lower levels of an inflammation biomarker, um, which is called uh, a cytokine. Um, and that, you know, that's what, we want we want lower levels of inflammation especially in the modern world we live in when we have a lot of kind of a lot of high levels of inflammation um so so there's there's lots of different kind of methods scientists can use to drill down into this relationship um and i think another one that i really like is um i, I read when, and earlier in the research journey i read this kind of facebook post about um, a bacteria in soil called M. vacci, which um, apparently has kind of antidepressant-like effects. Mm -hmm. And I thought that just sounds crazy and kind of woo and unscientific. But in fact, on a closer look, um, studies show that this bacteria that's found in soil um, does have antidepressant-like effects. So that could be why if you're a gardener and you love gardening, you have a buzz afterwards, you know, you feel kind of great after planting. So yeah, those are just a few examples of some, some studies and some science that I, I thought were quite amazing. Absolutely amazing, yes. <laughs> Thank you for, for all these examples. Uh, so when, um, so for, for anyone uh, who would be listening to us, uh, what would be, um, you know, perhaps the top sort of three things that you think we can do to, um, 
to, to sort of improve our relationship with nature. I'm not even sure if that's the right way of framing it, but perhaps getting a little bit more out of it and just putting nature a little bit more in the center of, um, of our daily life. Any sort of simple tips or just uh, habit changes that you can, uh, you can think of? Sure. I'd say that um, a simple thing you could do is, if you can, uh, find a route on your way to like the shop or somewhere that you might go regularly work or, um, you know, to visit someone that goes through a, a green space, a park or, you know, by the canal or, or you know, through an urban woodland or so on. So, so even if it takes a little bit longer, um, if you go through a green space, you know, you, you'll be potentially experiencing those therapeutic benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I think, I mean, we all live in kind of different circumstances, but thinking about um, a way you can make your living area um, nature friendly. So that might mean, you know, if you live in a flat with a balcony, you could put up a bird feeder or you could put up a bird box um, or something like that to to be more wildlife friendly. If you have a garden, you could leave it um, a bit wilder in order to kind of encourage other species um think about the practices that you use in your garden to make them more nature friendly um because i think that you know nature can give us so much uh, but there's also um a lot to be said for a reciprocal relationship and thinking about um you know how we can how we can be good co-tenants with with you know other species and how we can share the planet a bit more mm. equally um with nature um and then i think the other other one what i would say is um and it's easier said than done we all live busy lives but kind of slowing down and noticing and paying attention and you know there even in i live in a very um urban area and a really busy road and even in the cracks of the pavements there are beautiful beautiful fractal shaped weeds and uh, wildflowers Um, so just taking the time to kind of slow down and look for color look for shape look for insects listen to the birds you know giving giving yourself permission to do that I think that um, before I embarked on losing Eden I kind of thought it was a bit of an indulgence but self-indulgent to kind of spend the time connecting with nature but actually it's um like i said before as important as eating fruit and vegetables or exercising and yeah slowing down and really following your curiosity um Mm. you know might lead to wonder and awe and i think it's it's great that some of the pretty much all of these suggestions aren't really uh, either expensive or they don't actually take a huge amount of time and yes fine if i have to go the slightly longer way home uh to go through a park or something like this fine maybe i'll lose in inverted commas a couple of minutes but i think as you said it's it's not necessarily time lost it's it's uh, you know time where we're potentially recharging our batteries which means we can do um do more perhaps or or basically be be uh be calmer and happier in, in the rest of our time. And I think the other thing which you know, I just want to, uh, I guess, reflect back to you, which you said, which was really interesting is, you know, I framed my question in a way, what can nature, what can we do to get more out of nature? But I think you kind of uh, 
underlined an interesting and really important point, which is it's not just about us, it's also about us, you know, doing uh, whatever we can to make sure we also protect nature so that not only uh, it can sort of uh, thrive, but also it can be part of our daily lives, not just next month, next year, but, you know, in 20, 100 years time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think one of the things that I found very um, empowering this year has been being more involved in like community environmental work. So mm -hmm. looking up tree planting days or trying to kind of rewild little areas where I live. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think kind of joining with other people to, you know, just to do simple things like tree planting or so on, or you know, campaigning for wilder verges or roundabouts. Um, you know it can really make a difference um, and then you do have that kind of more yeah reciprocal kind of kinship with nature um, which is well I find it very rewarding yeah and it's it's not necessarily just uh, one or the other you can you know it's you can both do something positive for nature get something out of it and potentially as you're saying if you're doing it uh, in sort of uh, uh, you know with, with groups of friends or something like this it can also sort of take that box as well and allow you to to recharge your batteries in all these different uh, these different ways uh, right. Lucy thank you so much for all this this amazing information I'm, I'm conscious that I don't want to take too much of your time but could you just tell us a little bit uh, about uh, where people can find the book and so I understand we can get it in Kindle format uh, yeah could you just tell us a little bit more about that side of things Sure, you can get Losing Eden, I think, in most bookshops. Um, yeah, it's available in Kindle. It's always great to go and buy direct from your local bookshop if you can. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's around at all the kind of usual places. Um, yes, available now. Amazing. Uh, so thank you so much for, uh, for your time today. Thank you for... Um, I guess all this really interesting information and I'm um, a bit of a geek so I love that mm -hmm. uh, you know you're approaching it from a really scientific uh, perspective and, um, and yeah that was absolutely amazing so uh, it's been an absolute privilege Lucy thank you so much for chatting to, to me today. My pleasure I really enjoyed talking to you thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happiness Habits podcast by Adbra. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed today, simply go to adbra.co.uk and check our resources section for a lot of additional well-being tips and free tools. While you're at it, don't forget to check our gratitude planners, mindfulness jars and cards. They're all available on adbra.co.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review, or even better, tell a friend that you think would benefit from it about it. See you next time on the Happiness Habits Podcast.